Take a look at your bulletin. I literally saw this picture. I am, of course, that's the name for God. Notice I am is spilling over the front of your bulletin because I am, God Almighty, is incontainable, uncontainable, untamable, overwhelming, spills over, cannot be enclosed even in a little bulletin, all right? But I want you to notice there's a word across the letter A. What is that word? Puny. Because what we're going to talk about in this opening volley is our relationship to God in light of who he is. And I think puny is a pretty good word. Excuse me, pretty good word to describe it. I want you to get your Bibles open uh, to Psalm 34. This is not in our PowerPoint. I added this extra credit icing on the cake. Uh, Psalm 34, I want to read the first three verses to you, and I want to say hello to all of our friends online. I know many people have tuned in to watch our live stream. We welcome you. Also want to welcome all of our friends from the nations of the world, many of them who tune in to our church on Sunday morning. We're glad that you guys are watching. Psalm 34, verse 1. I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Come and let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. How many of you know the bigger our God is, the bigger our faith is. The bigger our God is, the more help we have to offer people. In fact, it says here, the more we boast only in the Lord, then we're able to help the helpless. We're able to help them take heart, to, to, to receive encouragement, to receive strength. But that's because we know our God. That's because we know how big our God is. When it says, come and tell of the Lord's greatness, let's exalt his name together. That's what we do every Sunday morning. When we sing those songs, and didn't we have an amazing selection of songs today? I, I personally have a bias towards songs that are not singing about my experience of God, but songs that are singing about God's experience of himself. In other words, who God is. There's something powerful about singing songs that properly magnify the greatness of God. When we sing about God's greatness... Praise rises up, confidence rises up, hope rises up. And so I want to ask you all this question this morning, and this is an important question. I think it's one of the most important questions you could ever be asked. Here it is. How big is your God? How big is your God? Because here's why this is an important question. The size of your God determines the size of everything else. The size of your God, your understanding of God, your picture of God, will literally impact every single other dimension of your life. How many of you have found that to be the case? When your faith is small, life's challenges seem so big. And can I just share something with you? Some of you say, well, pastor, how do you figure out what to preach on? In fact, I had a lady doing an assignment for a college uh, assignment. She asked me after church, pastor, how do you figure out what to preach on? Well, here's the challenge. I know every one of you are at different seasons and different places in your journey with God. So how on Sunday morning... Do we ever come up with a topic that every single person could go, wow, I really needed to hear that? Anybody see the challenge? I'm going to give you the solution. You know how you do that? You know how God wants to speak to every single heart? This is the secret. Magnify the greatness of God. Because when God is big, you're able to see how big he is, and you're able to apply his greatness to whatever that situation is in your life. And all those situations are different. But how many of you know God is the same? All those situations are unique to each of us, but God in his bigness is bigger than all of them. 
And so if we will come together on Sundays and magnify the greatness of God, every one of you will leave here with something in your heart that says, you know what, God's got this. God's got this. God can handle this. My, my, the bigger God gets, the smaller my circumstances get. Can I just give you a secret? If you're a person that struggles with complaining and negativity, can I tell you what the solution is? You need a bigger God. Because your focus is on everything that's not happening. Your focus is on all the things that are limiting you. Your focus is on all the things that are frustrating you. You need to change your focus from all of that and get your eyes on the greatness of God. The greatness of God is the solution to every single one of mankind's problems. It's God. It's his bigness. It's who he is. It's what he brings to the table. That's what we need to go after here. So if God is small, I'm just telling you our problems are going to be big. But if God is big, I'm telling you this will be a church for whom nothing will be impossible. In fact, the Bible says this. I love this. The Bible says in Daniel eleven thirty two, the people who know their God shall be strong and they'll be able to carry out great exploits. How many of you want to be a part of a church like that? And what I mean by that is those people with living stones know God. Therefore, there's a strength about them. There's a confidence about them. There's a power in the way that they worship. There's anointing in the way that they pray. There's anointing on the preaching of the word. There's, there's strength at that church. How many of you know you can go to a lot of churches and there's a very effeminate feel? In fact, most men aren't in church today, and I'll tell you why. Because they can't identify with pastors that are so feminine. The church should be marked by strength. The church should be marked by men of God who know God, who walk with God. The church should be marked by men who know how to face adversity and come through on the other side. The church should be marked by spiritual fathers who are marked by the strength of God. And when those people move in strength, the Bible says they'll, they'll do great exploits for God. In other words, most people aren't in church on Sunday morning because when they go to church, they're bored out of their minds. And I'll tell you why they're bored out of their minds. Because God in that church is so pathetic and small, he doesn't capture anybody's attention. But people who know God are strong, and they do exploits. I was around a bunch of men in our network that know God. They've been through hell and back. And you know what? They're still standing. They're still worshiping. They're still loving. They're still moving forward because they know God. And how about this? When I think about emancipating people and I think about partnering with the nations of the world, all of these things have money attached to them. When you have money attached, you better have a God that's got resources. Now, here's what I'm telling you all. I'm not looking at my pockets or your pockets to figure this thing out because I'm showing you my pockets right now. When I pray over my money, it's God's money, I'm asking him to multiply the money. I'm asking him to bring in resources that I know not of because if I'm going to follow him and partner with him, I promise you he's going to stretch everything about who we are because he's so much bigger than who we are and he's going to do things that will blow our minds. If you're ever following Jesus and you're bored, something is the matter. If you're at this church and you're bored, God forgive me, something is the matter. Because God is anything but boring. And to know God and to be captured by God and to gaze upon the beauty of God and to see the power of God is anything but a yawn session. It's the most exciting opportunity that we have in life is to know God and to walk with God. 
How big is your God? Is he big enough to intervene in your situation? Can he be trusted? Can he, can, is he so big that when we worship, we get lost in a sense of awe because of who he is? Does he demand our ultimate respect? Is he big enough to wash away our cares and our worries like Pastor Aaron shared with us this morning? I want you to turn with me and follow on the, on the PowerPoint, Exodus chapter 3. I'm going to talk fast this morning because we've got some ground to cover. This is a passage where God's revealing himself to Moses, and he does it in a very strange way. He does it through the form of a burning bush. He does it by fire. That should tell us something about God. God is a God of fire. If you've ever sat mesmerized by a campfire, there's something awesome about that. You realize that fire is not something you reach out and grab. Fire is dangerous. Fire is mysterious. Fire is all-consuming. And that is how God reveals himself to Moses. The first thing he says is, take your shoes off. I'm not like you. You're coming towards someone who's dangerous. Take your shoes off. And then God begins to share his heart. And I want you to hear this about our beautiful father. He says, I've heard the cries of my people. This is a covenant God. I've heard their pain. I've heard their affliction. And God says, I'm getting ready to do something about it. That, that should encourage our hearts today. We have a God who's touched by the feelings of his people. We have a covenant-keeping God. He's the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He's your God. He's my God. He'll be my grandkids' God. I'm my great-grandkids' God because that's the nature of who he is. And this is what Moses says to God. And I love this, the very first thing that when Moses gets his assignment from God, he says this, this, who am I? Now let me just tell you, when we read that, sometimes we look at it and we we go, you know what, Moses shouldn't be making excuses. Come on, no excuses. We just did this series, grow up, no excuses, right? But how many of you know that's a really smart thing to say when you come in contact with God Almighty? I'm all for affirmations, faith affirmations. Some of you do that. You know, this is who I am in Christ. That's amazing. I'm all for the teaching on the authority of the believer. That's awesome and wonderful. But listen, none of that has an ounce of meaning apart from the reality that God exists and that you are in proper relationship to him. Know God, all those things are meaningless. All they are is self-help, empty, you know, self-esteem booster, whatever. But they're meaningless apart from the reality of God. And this is what he says when Moses says, who am I? God's, uh, Moses goes on to say this. He says, if I go to the people of Israel and I tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they're going to ask me this question. What is his name? In other words, who is this God? Where does he fit in the rank of all the gods of Egypt and all the gods of all the other nations of the world? Where, does this God have the power and rank to pull off what he says he wants to do? Who, what's his name? And then Moses says to God, what should I tell them your name is, God? And I want you to see what God says to Moses. He says, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is what God says about his name, Yahweh. This is my eternal name. My name to remember for all generations. You know, if God had a passport, the name on God's passport would be Yahweh. This is the name in the Old Testament that's used nearly 7,000 times for God, all right? Yahweh. It's the, in the Hebrew, it's just four letters. Y-H, 
W-Y. It was an unpronounceable name because the name of God was so holy, no Jew would ever speak that name. In fact, they would call God Adonai uh, or some other name. But Yahweh, uh, the name for God, was so holy and so awesome, it was not even on the tongues of the, of, of the Jewish person. In fact, in, the Eng- in our English Bibles, when you see the word Lord with all capital letters in your Bible, that is the name Yahweh. All right, That's the translation of the name. God says, that's my name, Yahweh. Um, and, but before he gives them his name, I want you to see what he says. Before he says, my name is Yahweh, he says, I am who I am. This is incredibly profound. This, this is the building block of all reality. You cannot have a relationship with God until you believe that God is that God exists. In fact, the Bible says in, in Hebrews, uh, without faith it's impossible to please God because you must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. God starts off by introducing Himself as the nature of His being or of His person. What I want you to see, and we're going to get a little philosophical here, but we need to. Philosophy is a study of first things, foundational things. And can I just tell you, in our soundbite American culture today, we spend zero time time thinking about anything that is deep. So I want to challenge you just to pause today and think deeply about God. God says, I am. What he's saying is, I am absolute reality. Well, what does that mean? That means if you remove all the people, all the creation, all the earth, all the cosmos, all the spiritual beings, angels, and you remove everything and you come back to the foundation of everything that is, you come back to God Almighty. Nothing, hear me, saints, nothing exists apart from Him. Now, when I said that worship was our reasonable service, connect some dots with me. You do not exist apart from the will and mind of God. We touched on it this morning. With the air in my lungs, I'm singing praises to God. The air in my lungs is borrowed air with borrowed lungs. Your life is because of God. The planet is because of God. The food is because of God. Everything that is, everything that has being, has its being because of ultimate reality. This is why when people are talking about, man, dude, I'm just trying to, you know, get in touch with reality. I'm just trying to figure out, you know, who I am. Let me help you. You'll never figure out who you am unless you know the I am. Because I want you to hear this. When, 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 you, when I ask you, who are you? And you say, well, I'm, you know, so-and-so. I'm, I'm Ron Johnson, and well, or I'm a pastor, or I am. Whenever I say I am, my I am is a little tiny echo of the one who said, I am. Because if he ain't, I ain't. If he ain't am, I am not an am. And you ain't an am. Ain't any of us ams apart from the great I am. Which is why, hear me, you are out of touch with ultimate reality if you ignore God. And most of our world is out of touch with reality, which is why we're so mixed up, so messed up. God is ultimate. He is reality with a capital R. means this. God is real. 
whatever exists and is real and has being is because of God. Now, can I just ask you, isn't that we could pause right here and hit the carpet and lay on our faces? Have you ever gotten in touch with the fact that the reason you're here right now is because there's a God who thought of you and who you were in his mind and his heart before he ever spoke the universe into existence? Wouldn't that be worth laying on our face and just saying, God, I worship you for who you are? Because who you are is not who I am. You're so much greater in every way, so much beyond me. That right there is a I am is a reason for worship. He is ultimate reality. Let me just remind you of this too. God, when he says I am, it means he's also independent. God doesn't rely on anybody or anything outside of himself. He doesn't need anything. That's a pretty awesome thought. I can't help him. We're not here to help God with his mission this morning. God, if he needed help, would not be God. Kind of humbling, isn't it? Oh, Lord, I was really hoping you could use me on your team. I'm pretty special. Got some gifts. God's like, no, don't really need you. I already have all those gifts in infinite supply, no limits. God hears me sing this morning. I'm like, whoo-hoo. I sounded anointed this morning. Just ask Ask, why are you putting your head down laughing at me? Come on, I was right behind you. Give, but I'll tell you what. I, I, and then God goes, you know, you should hear when I just speak a word what that sounds like. God, I'm pretty strong in some certain areas. And God's like, you don't understand strong. I am without limitation. So this is why, why do we come together on Sunday? We're not here certainly to help God. We're here to enjoy God. We're here to magnify the greatness of God. And then we're here to allow that God to apply his greatness to our needs and our life. God's independent. He doesn't need us. Third point, God's eternal. Have you ever realized that the mess you're going to step into on Wednesday, God's already been there? Have you ever thought that the needs you're going to face next Friday... God already has enough resources to help you with that, and it didn't catch him off guard. God doesn't have a beginning. And he also doesn't have an end. I came into existence in 1962 on March the 13th, and guess what? When I look in the mirror, I realize my end is getting closer and closer every single day. I'm like, I'm looking old. Listen to me, I'm closer to being dead than I am being born. Some of you know what I'm talking about, so are you. God is eternal. We should stand in awe of that. It's awesome. God is never going to end. The Bible says the earth can fade up and blow away, but God will never stop being his awesome self. In fact, the fourth thing I want to highlight about the I am is that he is constant. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is the most woke person on the planet. We got so many woke people today, man. You know, you Christians, you need to get caught up with the times because you're just not as kind and loving as we woke people. God never gets one iota smarter because he's already the smartest in the whole universe. We're going to talk about that. God is not in the process of becoming better. God is not being enlightened by us. 
God is the standard for everything that is real. And he never changes. What's our response? Humble ourselves. Worship this God. Rejoice in this God. Know that it, because he's not changing, his love for you is just as faithful as it was the previous generations. His wisdom is not, is not running out. His power is not growing dim. He's the same God in the fullness of his being for all eternity. He never shrinks. He never slumbers. He never gets tired. This is the God that we worship. This is the I am who I am. All authority in the universe belongs to God, Romans 13. All the power belongs to God, which means, check this out, God has the freedom to do whatever he pleases. You know what? If I had all the money in the world, all the health in the world, all the strength in the world, all the power in the world, I would be the happiest human being because I could do whatever I wanted to do whenever I wanted to do it. But how many of you figured out we're limited in a million different ways, but God is not? Look what the Bible says about God. Isaiah 46.10, everything I plan, God says, comes to pass, for I do whatever I wish. I mean, that's pretty much absolute authority and freedom. Look at the next verse. No human wisdom or understanding or plan can stand against the Lord. Don't you love it when all these little puny dictators are talking about what they're going to do and how they're going to take over in and, and, and Psalm chapter 2 and God just says, he sits in the heavens and he laughs at them all. Are you kidding me? God is moving right now, orchestrating his plan in all the nations of the world. Who would have thought that when the Chinese uh, communist dictators took over and wanted to put everybody from Mao all the way up to the present time, wanted to take over and create their little organized you know, communist culture. By the way, we're, uh, the, the, the Democratic Party, and I'm going to get into this in just a moment. I'll have, don't worry, I'll offend both parties, so hold on. Um, we're actually promoting the stupidity right now in terms of socialism uh, that other nations have already experienced hundreds of years of misery, but our woke politicians now are wanting to go backwards in time and, and be smarter than we think that they are. Listen to me. God Almighty is ruling over the nations of the world, and who would have thought that God would allow a, a dictator like Mao to be raised up simply to facilitate an underground movement of revival in those churches? Now there's more Christians in China than any nation on planet Earth. Who would have thought God would allow ISIS, the evil of ISIS, to arise to where now in Iran there are Christians, people becoming Christian, running from Islam by the droves, uh, revival breaking out, because listen, God is working out his purposes over all the nations of the world, and he will not be stopped. Every nation, every tribe, every language will be before him. This is God. He's unstoppable. So stop fretting over the evening news. Those are a bunch of people who don't know a thing about what really matters. When's the last time you heard somebody on the evening news say, I wonder what God thinks about this situation? Yeah, hold your breath. That's how far from God we are in America. I don't care what MSNBC, Fox, or anybody else thinks about what's going on. There's only one opinion that matters, and it's what God's opinion matters, because God is working out his opinion, plans, and purposes right now in the earth. That's the opinion that matters. So here's the deal. With that's who God is, that's why Moses could say, who am I? Because Moses at that moment felt very puny. God's I am is the foundation of all reality. My I am is just a little teeny echo of that. Uh, th this, is a, this is why we feel puny. We feel inferior and we should feel inferior because it's a matter of perspective. 
The reason we get full of pride is because our God is so small. I challenge you, pursue the knowledge of God, pursue the greatness of God, and watch what happens to your pride. You'll become one of the most humble, one of the most teachable, one of the most gracious people on planet Earth uh, if you have a big God. Because you realize in perspective how big God is and how little and tiny you and I are in comparison. Perspective is a good thing. God's eternal. He never had a beginning. He simply is and he was. But we, are, on the other hand, are becoming. God, God will never end. He will never not be, but we're born and we die. In fact, James says this, your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while and then it's gone. When I was a younger man, I was all full of ambition, all these things I wanted to accomplish. I thought it was all for the Lord. I realized with time that there was a little bit of Ron mixed in on that, a little bit of selfish ambition. I'll tell you what, when you meditate on this verse and realize that your life is like a vapor, it puts everything in perspective. You know what you'll do if you realize your life is like a vapor? You'll major on the knowledge of God. You'll major on obedience. You'll major on walking in the fear of the Lord. You'll major on loving people around you. You'll major on sharing Jesus with other people. You'll major on the love of Jesus Christ. This is the stuff that you'll major on because your life is a vapor and it's going to be gone. How many of you know eternity puts everything in perspective? But check this out. My little vaporous life, because it was united with Jesus Christ, the great I am, is going to be resurrected And this little, weak, insignificant person will share eternity with the great I am. My little vapor life will not be a little vapor life. It will be an eternal life that's going to be awesome. That's the power of being united with God. That's the power of trading in our puny lives for his life. This is what the, the, the balance is. Our lives are not just puny, but they're also precious and they're powerful. Here's why. Because we've been made in the image of God and we've made to display the glory of God. Look at what, the, what David wrote. The psalmist here uh, wrote in, in Psalm 8. He said, when I look up into the night skies, I see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have made. I cannot understand how you can bother with a mere puny man to pay attention or to pay any attention to him. You know, when we stand up and we look in the sky at nighttime, it should be an occasion of worship. How many of you have figured out that it's a good thing to feel small? It's a good thing. I love to feel small. It reminds me, Lord, who am I? In comparison to you, I'm nothing. But with you, I'm everything. You're the one who made the stars with your fingers. How much more do you have control of my life? How much more can you handle my situation and the things that I'm going through? In fact, look at what David said next. You made me and we made you a little lower than God. Crown them with glory and honor. You gave them charge over everything that you made, putting all things under their authority. This is a powerful, powerful verse. It reminds us that under God, we have great glory and honor, and he's given us authority over this earth. We are ruling and reigning on this planet because of uh, what God has done in raising us up in his image and likeness. I want to share something with you. The word glory is an important word, and I want you to see this. The word glory in Hebrew is, is the word that means weightiness or heaviness. How many of you have seen passages in the Bible, or maybe you've been in a worship service where the glory of God is so heavy that literally people are on their face before the Lord? That's because glory is synonymous with heaviness, with weightiness. Now check this out. When your life is lived for the glory of God, 
your life has a substance weightiness about it. In other words, you're living an impactful, meaningful life. Your life is marked by glory. I mean, you know, things that don't have much weight get blown away. It's like eating cotton candy. You put cotton candy in your mouth, it disappears. People that don't live for the glory of God have no substance about their life. They're shallow. When you talk to them about life, they, you know, they never get any more than this deep. They talk about, you know, ponytails, fingernails, dog, poodles. Uh, I, I don't know. Nothing that matter with any of those things. How many of you know everything God created? I just offended now all the poodle owners, too. So... <laughs> If you're a Democrat and a poodle owner, you probably won't be coming back to the church this morning. But, all right, I'm sorry about that. I love Democrats. I love Republicans. I like, to, I like to challenge both of the platforms. But anyway, the point being this, everything God made for us is to be enjoyed. You'll never hear me criticizing food. We should enjoy food. That's why we have taste buds. You'll never hear me criticizing sports. We can learn a lot from athletics and have fun playing sports or any other kind of entertainment. But here's the problem. When we love the things that God created instead of loving the one that gave them to us. When we love money more than we love the God who provides for us. When we love our careers more than we love the God who's called us to join him uh, in life. Whenever we love those things, now we're guilty of idolatry. Can I just help you all out this morning? When the Bible speaks of idolatry, it's not talking about falling down only before some object made out of clay or wood or stone. We're too sophisticated for that. Can I tell you the idolatry that we engage in all the time? It's believing things about God that simply aren't true. Because when we believe things about God that aren't true, we create a God in our own minds that does not resemble the one true God, and we've created an idol. When we love things more than we love God, we create an idol. I want you to see what the Scripture says about people that do this. We lose our weightiness before God. Our lives no longer have meaning. Our lives no longer have significance. Our lives are truly inconsequential. Look at what Proverbs chapter 10, verse 27 says. The fear of God expands your life, but a wicked life is a puny life. Can I just share something with you? If you were Moses and you came in touch with God blazing in a bush of fire and a voice speaking to you, the voice of God speaking to you from that blazing bush telling you to take your sandals off because you were walking on holy ground, would you be going, oh, cool, this is the worship experience I've been longing for. I've been trying to get these tickets for a long time. In fact, I got this CD and I can't wait. No, you would not be doing that. You would be freaking out. And you should be freaking out because you just came into contact with ultimate reality. And you are finite and he's infinite. And you are limited and he's not limited in any way. And he's eternal. And when he speaks, things happen. I'll tell you what you'd have in your heart. You'd have fear. That's why the Bible says this. It's the fear of God that is the starting place for wisdom. I think the fear of God's gotten a bad reputation because we emphasize the mercy of God and the grace of God and the kindness of God and the goodness of God. And let me just say, those are all things we need to emphasize. They're awesome. But you know what? We got to keep things in balance. And it's the fear of God. When we come into contact, we realize God is God and I am not. 
God is holy and I am not. God is infinitely wise and I am so limited. God is so full of power and I walk in so much unbelief. God, forgive me. God, forgive me. God, forgive me. When you're on your face at that place where you encounter the greatness of God, that is the birthplace of amazing good stuff that God wants to do in your life. But wicked life is a puny life. And you know why a wicked life is a puny life? Because the Bible says the w- in the wicked's thoughts, God is nowhere to be found. Can I just ask you a question? When you go through your day, how God-centered are you? How God-aware are you? Like, you know, when something goes wrong. When something goes wrong. Is the first thing out of your mouth profanity? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> what the... <laughs> What is that? Do you know God? Do you know God? You face real challenges, health challenges, marriage challenges, relationship challenges. What do you do? Well, I'll tell you what. At that very moment, it doesn't matter what you say you believe about God or how much you say God's big. What happens at that moment shows how big God is in your life. You don't have to dig. It's just right out there, right there and all of its ugliness, right? People who know God live differently. They act differently. They pray about things. They they say, hey, let's stop right now. Let's act like God is there, like God is real. Let's act like that because God's revealing. He said, I am. So let's let the I am be real in our lives. But wicked people, they don't even think about God. They act like God's not even watching. They say, God, God's not looking at you. Look at us. Look at how we're prospering. Look at how we're, we're being blessed. We don't even acknowledge God. But the Bible says their lives are puny lives, insignificant lives, because they're weightless, because they're not living for the glory of God. There's no weight on their life. Look at the next verse, Proverbs 15, 20, or 32. An undisciplined, self-willed life is puny but an obedient, God-willed life is spacious. You know what? When you're living for yourself, your life becomes puny because it's all about you. It's all about your life. It's all about your power, about your resources, about your vision, about what you want to do. Me, 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 me. The more my life is me-centered, the punier I get on the grand scheme of things. I'm, I'm like a drop in the bucket. I'm nothing. But how many of you know one man or one woman's life that's surrendered to God takes a weightiness about it that sends it that sends an echo throughout all eternity that's the power of a life surrendered to god when you join yourself to what god is doing and you honor him look what it says if you're if if you're a wicked person your life will be undisciplined you don't care how you live you do whatever you want to do it doesn't matter to you you're self-willed all that matters is what you want to do but look at the other side if you're obedient and you live for god your your life is centered on him your life's going to be spacious. You know, some of you are joking around about pastor being gone. I'm, I'm going to brag on the Lord, all right? This little boy from Indiana, grew up in Hammond, Indiana, club feet. I didn't have a normal pair of shoes till sixth grade. Two surgeries on my feet, nearly died at birth. Raised in a middle-class family, teacher and homemaker. Um, and within the last six months, I've been in Pakistan, Zambia, Dubai, Hawaii, Israel, that's the five nations just within the last half, half year, and God opened up all those doors for me, and I didn't pay 
for any of those, that, that, that nice uh, Hawaii trip, that nice Israel trip. No, that was God's provision. I mean, you know, when you team up with God, your life gets spacious. I've met people from all over the world. I've experienced things that are amazing that I never dreamed I would have experienced. How did all this happen? Because when you team up with the I am, you move into a realm where you're not limited by what everybody else is limited by. And if you live for the glory of God, your life will be spacious. It'll be wide open. It'll be large. It'll be big. It'll be full of the blessings of God. Your life will have a weight to it. There will be eternal impact that God brings through your life because you're aligned with ultimate reality. Or you can be mentally insane all your life. I mean this literally. This is about as, I can, this is about as politically, politically incorrect as I can possibly be. If you don't know God, you're mentally insane. You are out of touch with reality. Pastor, that's offensive. It should be offensive to you. Think about how offensive it is to God. That you ignore him and you act like he doesn't exist and you don't prioritize him. And what matters to him doesn't matter to you. I don't care if I offend you. You're offending God. Your life offends God. We used to care in the church about offending God. Now we're concerned about everybody else's feelings. Well, let God be true and every man a liar. That's what the Bible says. Maybe if we concern more about God's reputations and God's feelings and God's agenda and God's feeling insulted over the fact that his creation pays him zero time Zero attention, zero thoughts, zero passion, zero brokenness. Maybe that would help us get back in touch with what really matters. Maybe then we'd see awakening in this country. When our churches get right, when our churches get passionate about pleasing God, about loving God, about using the gifts of God for the purposes of God. Can I just be honest with you? God is the one that created sexual expression, and God called it good. But I'll tell you what's not good. When we express ourselves in ways that God says, that's not what I created it for. And can I tell you this? If we'll honor God and obey God, the very things he created for our pleasure will bring us maximum pleasure. But I'll just tell you this. When we have churches today that are caving in on sexual ethics and assuming that God hasn't woke up yet to the times, or challenging God, or challenging the Bible, or challenging churches that actually believe the Bible, that actually fear the Word of God, that tremble at the Word of God, that don't care about anything but the reputation of God and the glory of God. If you'll go to a church like that, you'll make an impact, or you can go to a bunch of churches today that could care less about the truth of God, the glory of God, the honor of God, but they'll be cool with whatever the social agenda is that our backslidden nation is pushing. I do not want to be a leader of a church like that. That God forbid that we don't care more about what he thinks about things. God help us. We cannot even live correctly until we come face to face with the great I am. That should shake you when you realize you're living on borrowed time. 
that eternity is closer and closer that you don't even have today. How do you know you have five minutes from now? You're on borrowed time because you are a creature. And you belong to the creator. And the scary thing is most people don't even care. I told you you're going to die, and you're going to face eternity, and you're going to give an account for your life. And many people, that doesn't, they yawn at that because they're so spiritually dead and puny. This is an invitation to significance. It's an invitation to enjoying God. We're up here singing about the goodness of God this morning, and I'm thinking about my 57 years and how God has been so kind to me and good to me and faithful to me and the blessings of God, and I've got tears running down my cheek because I know this God, and I honor this God, and I want to obey this God, and I want my life to count. I want to pray to this God. I want more from this God. I want to experience his power and his wisdom and his glory and his might. I want to see his saving power. That's what he does. He puts a fire in you. You're like, how in the world could I go through life and waste my life? Because I never paused to give glory to the God who gave me life in the first place. Nothing matters apart from God. Your marriage is meaningless apart from God. Raising your kids, meaningless. Your job, who cares what you do? You're going to be dead in a short time. Who cares? Your life is a vapor. Your health, your, your relation, and everything, none of it matters except with God being in the blazing center. And when we, when we honor him like that, and when he matters, the weight of his significance, of his power, of his authority falls on us as normal, little, weak human beings and we're able to partner with the creator and do things that last forever. I'm just going to connect one dot based on everything I just preached. God is the most important and valuable being in the whole universe. And knowing him and pleasing him and enjoying him should be the most preeminent thing in your heart as a human being. Life is not about us. Life is not human-centered. Life is God-centered. And when God is not in the blazing center, and we are, life falls apart. That's what we're seeing right now in this great nation. We're seeing many things falling apart. The reason they're falling apart is because we've lost the center. What is the center that holds it all together? It is the greatness of the glory of God. When this nation honored the greatness of the glory of God, we prospered like none other. But I'm telling you, I could go, I don't even have time this morning to get to Habakkuk, but when God's, the knowledge of God is lost from a culture, everything unravels, violence perversion, everything that we're seeing every night on our news. Can I just tell you that the, the epidemic of, of lives that are being lost in Chicago, all the murders in Chicago, only 45 minutes from us, is not happening because of gun laws. It's happening because of godlessness in our nation. One of the signs of violence on the streets is godlessness in the hearts of the people. We do not have a political problem in this nation. We have a moral problem. We've lost sight of God. 
And we're going to get into this in the next weeks. We're talking about the greatness of God. We're going to talk about the goodness of God. We're going to talk about the wisdom of God. We're going to talk about a lot about who God is. And we're going to connect some dots. And as a result, we're going to be strong and we're going to do great exploits. But I really want to challenge you today. Where is God in your life? Where, where is God in your thoughts? Where is God in your heart? Is, is he the blazing center of who you are? Or is he somewhere on the periphery? Is he something you just, he's someone you just reach out to when you're in a crisis mode? Or is, is he the blazing center of your life? Now, I'm not saying you've got to be there overnight, but I'm, I am saying this. There should be a, a yes and a surrender in our hearts today. In fact, if you're with me, I just want you to stand to your feet and let's freshly surrender to God right now. Let's surrender to God right now. Father, we stand in your presence and we acknowledge your greatness. And Lord, we release thanksgiving for our lives, for for the fact that we exist, for all of your blessings, God, which you've been so good to us. Lord, we give you ourselves. We give you our worship. We thank you for your abundant blessings you've poured out on us. And Lord, we want more. We want to know you. We want to enjoy you. We want to be transformed by you. And we want to be in line with your purposes for our lives, for this church, for our community, for the nation, for the nations of the world. So can you join me right now? We just surrender. Lord, we surrender. We surrender, Lord. We give you our lives. I ask you, Father, that in the days and weeks ahead at this church that the weight of your presence would fall so heavily upon us, God, that we wouldn't be able to stand. I pray that we'd be on our face, God. I pray for genuine repentance in all of our hearts, Lord. Expose the idols in our lives, Father. Lord, we pray for a massive harvest to come forth from Lake County and from this region and from our nation, God. Have mercy, Lord, on this nation. God, you're way too small in the minds of Americans. We ask you to magnify your great name. And God, do it through us. Forgive us, Lord, where we drop the ball. Forgive us for our selfishness, our self-centeredness, our pride. We ask you, Jesus, to slay all those things. And Lord, become big and become large and become in charge in our lives. May we meditate on you, think about you, love you, enjoy you, look to you, pray to you, release faith in you a million times this week, Lord. Help us to be God-centered. Help us, Lord. You know, if you're here today and you don't know Christ, I encourage you, today's your day just to submit to God and to invite Jesus into your life. We'll have our leaders across the front here that want to pray with you today. Some of you, this is just a day of fresh surrender. And don't leave here without making a conscious decision, a rational, logical choice to say, you know what, my life is not my own. It belongs to the Lord. Some of you have some areas that you need to say, you know what, this part of my life has become an idol and I need to bring it back before God and trust Him. And I want to do it God's way. I want to walk into obedience. So if that's you, we want to pray with you today, all right? If you need healing in your body or you need a breakthrough in anything that's going on, please come forward. We want to pray with you. Lastly, don't forget marriage class today at 4 o'clock. So if you need some help in that area, come on out and get some help in your marriage, all right? Father, thank you. Now bless us as we go. May you magnify your greatness through our lives, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Hey, love you all. Have an amazing week, all right? If you need prayer, come on down.